Welcome back or welcome to Grateful and Full of Greatness. I'm your host, Mark Lucini. On this podcast, I sit down with guests who, in my opinion, live their lives with the pursuit of greatness in mind. This platform allows me to, to discuss and explain strategies that go into reaching peak performance. This is episode 54. My guest is Taylor Moreno, Athletes Unlimited Women's Professional Lacrosse Champion. At the goalie position, Taylor has been an AU Pro Champion twice, and she is the all-time leader in saves for the University of North Carolina. Originally from Long Island, New York, Taylor was the first woman to play varsity football for Huntington High School, a black belt in Taekwondo, a Nike athlete. She also runs her own goalkeeper clinics, inspiring the next generation of players. On top of all that, she remains a member of the Team USA national training team. I met Taylor at LaxCon, one of the world's largest lacrosse conventions, and we both sat on the mental health panel as she remains an ambassador for Morgan's Message, a community that aims to end the stigma surrounding mental health. Taylor is a leader from the crease to throughout the country. I'm super excited for this one. So without further ado, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I, I, we were uh, already diving into it before I hit recording. And uh, what I wanted to do is start off with the idea that there's no great story without a great problem. And from what I gathered about your story in the earlier years before professional lacrosse, you weren't always the starting goalkeeper and superstar you are today. So I was inspired to hear that, and that's where I wanted to start. So I want to start by asking you, what drives you back then and, and still now? Yeah, I think back then, um, kind of touching on what we were talking about a little bit beforehand, is just the idea that I wanted to grow into becoming the best version of myself both on and off the field and I think um, throughout my career both in high school and in college um, I had obstacles that I had to overcome um, and whether that was on the field or off the field it was um, moments that I think helped me grow and become a better person and a better teammate um, and I think that's one of the things that drives me especially when I'm on just like continuing to grow the relationships that I have with people already, whether that was um, at my time at Carolina or, you know, continuing those relationships into my time at AU, but um, also getting an opportunity to play alongside some of the best lacrosse players in the country and um, being able to create more relationships in that respect um, and going from, you know, playing against them in college to now playing alongside of them, um, I think is such a great opportunity. And I think, if you're not someone who like works at that and continues to strive to have, you know, those opportunities, then um, those are going to be things that you're missing out on in your life. And I think lacrosse has paved the way for me to um, not only learn more about myself, but to also, you know, get the experiences that I've had with, you know, playing with team USA and, and playing in athletes unlimited and having, um, you know, a successful college career. And I think, that doesn't come unless you work really, really hard and you continue to work on your craft and never, you know, settle or, or be complacent. And um, I think the complacency aspect is something that um, drives me because, you know, you always see and, and people talk about these great athletes like, you know, Michael Jordan, like those types of athletes never got complacent and they were always looking for ways to get better. And I think that's where I find myself now, especially that I'm not training all the time. Um, as a college athlete, and that was certainly adjustment I had to make. But um, I think continuing to build uh, myself on the field and off the field um, has been something that I think has been my substitute for helping to continue drive that growth. I mean, you're in a position where like only one plays, and I, I guess I, what I want to do is pull on the thread of going back to the time that you weren't a starter, right? As you were saying, it was kind of like the early high school years. How'd you not get discouraged and, and why did you not get discouraged? And for somebody who's listening who might be discouraged right now, what advice would you have there? Yeah, I think um, that kind of circumstance, there's kind of two different branches to it. And I think the first is um, the acknowledgement of like there being areas of your game that you have to work on and improve on. Um, and I think taking those to heart and really putting the work and the time into that um, is certainly going to be something that whether it pays off in high school or not is going to be something that's going to pave the way for the rest of your life and your work ethic um, as you grow up. Um, and then the other side of it is sometimes just the uncontrollables. It's just going to be factors that go on that you personally don't have any control over. And at the end of the day, you just have to kind of roll with the punches. And I think um, the situation that I was in in high school, it just was a matter of 
Um, it certainly was a struggle when I was a freshman and sophomore, right? I was really, really young. I didn't understand why I wasn't playing, but um, I also did my best to try to figure out what maybe those things were on the field that I could work on and and hopefully see myself, you know, playing a little bit more. And when those um, efforts fell short or they just weren't necessarily paying off, um, I had to kind of take a step back and like reevaluate what my role was and understand that like, Hey, maybe it's not necessarily making an impact on the field in a game, but maybe it's making that impact in practice with your teammates, right. Being a really, really good goalie and making your, your offensive teammates better. Um, and then really not kind of being that negative teammate on the sideline during games or like being happy when we lost or, you know, sulking and, and bringing other people down around me. It was about pumping everybody up and being super supportive and, you know, being that, that first teammate on the bench that when someone worked really hard on the field and they come off and they see someone smiling at them and patting them on the back, I think that was something that I, I really took charge in and took, um, took to heart because I knew um, I didn't want to be known for like the kid that could have played every single game in high school, but was on the sideline and was really negative and a really bad teammate. Right. I would rather be remembered for, you know, the moments I shared with my teammates and the way that I made them better in practice and then be able to kind of carry that then into my college career, because I truly feel like the practices and the routines that you have when you're younger are going to be something that will then translate as you grow up and get older, right? They become, they become habits. So if you have a habit of being negative and being a, a bad teammate, those are going to be things that are going to trickle into your lifestyle and how, you know, you kind of operate when you get to the college level. And um, the biggest thing is colleges are so much faster than high school is and um, working through those, those moments and, um, those changes were are huge and I think my experience not playing in high school was certainly something that that helped set me up and set up my work ethic for college I, I will say in the intro I, I said uh you're a leader and I wasn't saying it tongue-in-cheek I, I I think uh, all leaders have the capacity to meet people where they're at right so when you're actually working with people who are not playing, you can speak to it like legitimately, not just like have sympathy for them, but can really empathize with them. Um, and we met for a few minutes during LaxCon and I could tell that you had that sort of humility and that teammateship that you were talking about. And and to have both is 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 really impressive. And I think that's why uh, I was dying to have you on here, like grateful and full of greatness. You, ha- you have both. You've been really grateful from where you came from and always been striving and never lost that. That's why I started with what drives you. I guess where I would go next is um, biggest influences like uh, during that time where you could have got discouraged or in high school. And as you were preparing to become a starter, uh, who would you point to as somebody who was still building you up or or one of your earliest role models and mentors? Yeah, I think uh, he was my coach for, you know, my town team when I was, you know, a little tyke. And then he um, was my club coach through that entire process and, and was a huge huge role model in my life was, uh, my coach, Bobby Simone. Um, he played lacrosse collegiately. Um, he was actually the person who like really kind of pushed me into playing the position of goalie from the start. Um, he was always the guy that was there warming me up and obviously feeding me positivity. And as I was learning the position, he was kind of helping me out too when I was younger. And then, um, I think to have that consistency and having him always there, like, through all of that and then, you know, through club and through high school was um, I think certainly someone and something that helped continue to drive like my love for the game. He always reminded me like how far I've come, how much I've grown um, and just like would continue to reemphasize like how good I am and how, and how, you know, the potential that I have um, just from him working with me and obviously being that young and all that stuff. I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I need to get better at what I'm doing. And and I think him continuing to reemphasize the positive, the positive side of it, um, regardless of, you know, whether I was playing or I wasn't, he um, was always someone who was helping me get better. Um, and obviously followed me through my entire college career. And he was, he was just always there. And it was just such a nice um, way to kind of get taken under someone's wing who like, has been there. He's played at the collegiate level. He's had that experience. Um, but he also was able to like push us, not only myself, but my teammates out of our comfort zone. And, um, I think that's something where you really get challenged and that's where you really kind of test yourself and have the ability to grow more. And so, 
Um, I was super grateful to have him in my life and to obviously have the experiences I had with him. And he certainly was someone who motivated me college um, and through my a lot of my pro career too. I'm reading this book right now, and it was by uh, a, a leading therapist in the UK named Marissa Peer. And I came on to her work. It's called Tell Yourself a Better Lie. And what she was pointing out is that um, people can't stand not feeling significant, worthy, or enough. And she actually started something called I Am Enough Movement. And she made these bracelets, and I really, I really loved it. And she was talking about the power of praise versus criticism and how criticism is just so easy to do and how you can make a habit of self-praise. But I bring that all the way to Bob because, you know, he probably could have um, killed your desire at the position by really, like, saying, you know, you're right. You know, maybe this isn't for you and really, like, critique you all the way. But that kind of like uh, osmosis of belief that he had in you really uh, kept you afloat and uplifted. I do want to go into the goalkeeping position, right? I think um, from what I understand in sports psychology and mental toughness, it's really coming down to time between task, right? So at the draw position and the goalie position, there's a lot of time to think, right? So, I, I mean, the, the goalie position is really, really hard. As you came into being a starter, um, because it's not how great the opportunity is, it's how great you are to the opportunity. How were you able to handle the pressure of the position when you were the starter late in your high school career and then moving on as the game got faster and faster? Yeah, I think um, I was in a unique position where, you know, when you're someone who's starting in high school, it's like that's you're playing you're at that moment, you're playing your sport at the highest level. And I kind of then went to college and kind of got thrown into it and I pretty much kind of skipped you, you kind of I skipped a tier almost um, and unfortunately missed out on that experience and that ability to like be in those situations, right. Be in the high level situations where, you know, you're competing for a County championship or, or a playoff game. And so once I got to college, I really had to kind of just embrace that pressure. Um, mm -hmm. And while it's certainly something that like, I didn't necessarily know off the bat, like how to do that. Um, I started to gradually learn and understand that, um, really it's about how you talk to yourself in the cage. Um, I'm a big believer in that positive reinforcement. Um, and I was always someone who was like, all right, if I, if I can kind of feel those negative thoughts trickling in and, and really kind of putting me down, I have to start feeding my mind something positive and kind of reset myself and, and reground myself into the game that I'm in. Um, and one of those things was, you know, if I ever found myself struggling, I, I was always giving myself the permission to acknowledge like, hey, I might not be having my best game today or, you know, that last one that went in, like I probably should have had that. And I probably know that my teammates right now are like, we just played such good defense and like you just let that one in. Like, I think I think having the ability to like be in the moment and acknowledge those okay, now I can move on from it. It's been acknowledged. It's not lingering anymore. Like we can now reset ourselves and move on to the next play and the next moment um, instead of harping on on the past. And so um, usually what I would do like in the cage is like after I let one in or I had like that moment where I just acknowledge like, all right, it's we're not having a great day, but like let's think about ways in which like we can still make good on the field, whether that's, you know, communicating really well with my defense, making sure that every opportunity I get to either make a save or, you know, I get the ball that I'm making really, really good and smart decisions with the ball, whether that's clearing or, you know, helping support my teammates um, in the clearing game. But um, I normally would like stand in the cage and um, I would sit there and like close my eyes and just like kind of visualize like what I want that next player that next moment to feel like and I really tried to like allow myself to feel the positive energy out of that to help kind of reset myself um in the crease and now that wasn't something that I figured out probably until my junior or senior year like my freshman and sophomore year I really just tried to be a student of the game and a student of my position because you know, while I was recruited by the University of North Carolina, right, when I got there my freshman year, like, I got to work in terms of, you know, working with my goalie coach as to changing my form, changing my technique, um, and changing certain things about my game that was going to help cater it to the speed and pace of the college game. So 
Um, while I didn't have too much time to really think about those moments. So I, I, I didn't play my freshman year in college because obviously there was seniority and we had a very experienced and solidified goalkeeper there in Kaylee waters, who was, you know, national goalkeeper of the year, won a national championship. Like um, those are the moments where you're like, Hey, like she's legit. She is the best at what she does. And like, that is something that I want to aspire to. Um, but then also you had just have, you have your own hurdles too. Like I tore my ACL my senior year of high school and I ended up having to go through a second surgery on the same knee, like my freshman year. So I was out for the entire year, but I almost look at that as a blessing because it gave me the opportunity to really learn and study the game, um, before I kind of got thrown into it. But, um, I was able to kind of take all of the knowledge and all of, um, that freshman experience to like take that into growing and, and I think maturing a lot more come my sophomore year. So, um, I definitely think it was a huge adjustment period for me. I wouldn't say like, I just like showed up there and like stepped in the cage and it was like, boom, you're the starter. Like I had to put in a lot of work and I had to go through a lot of other obstacles to get there. But, um, it was about being coachable and being flexible and, um, you know, understanding that like, if you try to fight a system um, in cer certainly in an athletic standpoint, like sometimes you end up only hurting yourself because you're kind of, um, I guess, being resistant to, you know, the people and the support that are there to try to help you. And now I'm not saying that that's always the case, but, um, but I certainly think that um, it, it helped in my flexibility in my like mental flexibility in the cage um, mm. by having, uh, having that moment um, and those experiences. What a cool idea, M mental flexibility. And, and I'm sorry, Taylor, but you just gave a masterclass on sports psychology. And if you'll allow me, um, we feel certain things because of two reasons. And that's the, the pictures we make in our head and the words we say to ourselves. And you said it always comes back to self-talk for you. And then I visualize myself making the next save. And that's how you stay in the moment. And then uh, using Marissa Peer one more time, she says triple A, right? Aware, accept, acknowledge, or address, right? Or articulate it out loud. And if you're able to do those things, you could stay in the moment, right? And I don't know if you somebody taught you that or you found that through just your experience, but that literally is how you stay present because you can allow the picture to get really, really negative. And, oh, if I got shelled there, I'm probably going to get shelled again. And uh, we really get deflated by the harsh, critical words that we say to ourselves, right? So the fact that you're able to reaffirm yourself and say, okay, the next one, that, like I said, it's just an absolute masterclass. And, and when you said study the game and work, I wanted to double click on that if you'll allow me and say um, you, you brought up work ethic and hard work and studying the game. Do you mind going a little bit deeper into that so that maybe a young athlete that's listening to you and that's waiting and biding their time wants to work, but you could probably show them and, and give them specific examples of what you were doing behind Katie Waters, for example. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing for me was, when I was younger, like my freshman, sophomore year of, of college, it was really about learning the pace of the game and, and, and really adjusting to that aspect. Um, the game was so much faster. Um, the girls are so much bigger. They're, sh they're shooting faster. They're shooting harder, um, more accurately. So, um, it was really about changing my game to focus on, you know, my hand-eye coordination and like, being really, really good at reading the ball. Um, cause it wasn't just, I wasn't going to be able just to rely purely on like my athleticism and my ability to, um, be quick with my hands. Right. I had to work on other aspects that were going to ultimately build me up as a college athlete. And so, um, whether that was, you know, staying after practice for some extra shots or, or just like being more so hyper-focused in the moments when I was in practice and I was getting shot on. It was just a matter of like working through those moments and those challenges as they were happening happening in real time and like using that practice, those practices as that time to really grow and learn. Um, and then as I got older and, and obviously I started playing more, um, you know, a lot of colleges, they watch film and I was never someone who wanted to drown myself in film, but I certainly was someone who wanted to understand um, not necessarily shooters tendencies, but I wanted to be able to recognize like on certain teams, like their top players, what do they look like when they're 
about to shoot? What is the moment before? Like, what do they look like on the field? Like before they're about to go to goal or, or just understanding those aspects rather than like trying to study like where they shoot every single time. Um, so I think those were, were things that I started to kind of develop and, um, emphasize more through my college career as I got older, because I understood like, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had probably one of the best defensive lines playing in front of me, like Emma Trenchard, Caroline Wakefield, um, Emily Knowles, like all those guys, like our, our 2022 national championship defensive unit was rock solid. And, um, understanding that I had those guys in front of me was, my opportunity to work a little bit more on myself um, and to really get, you know, myself and my play to a whole new level. Um, And I think that was certainly something um, I would focus on in terms of just like I had mentioned, like watching film and all that stuff, but working on my patience and all, and any kind of drill that we would do in practice. I mean, I was fortunate to have Phil Barnes as a goalie coach where we were dedicating 30 to 40 minutes of practice time in the beginning to like goalie oriented drills and scout shooting and all that stuff. So I understand that there are um, college programs out there who don't have goalie coaches or, or um, don't get that dedicated time for their goalies to really get a proper warm up or get proper scout shooting or anything um, to that nature. But um, I think then in those cases, it's just about, you know, showing up a couple of minutes early to like really get in, whether it's, you know, your own hand-eye coordination work or your own footwork or all that stuff. And then like maybe staying after with a teammate or two just to get a couple of extra shots, just so that you can walk off the field, like feeling good about what you produced on the field. Um, whether you had a really good day during practice or you had a really bad day, it's just about, and I, I, I always, it's like always ending on a save is kind of where you can then start your clean slate into like the next phase of whatever it is, whether it's another practice or or you're walking into a game. So um, those were kind of things that like I started to grow with and develop um, as I got older, but um, it certainly took some time. I, I Don't be upset from the, from the results you didn't get from the work you didn't do. I think there's like five or six things inside that answer, being coachable, showing up early, uh, not drowning in the film, but understanding it. There's a neuroscientist, Dr. Amisa Ja, who says that focus is a choice, refocus is a skill. And I love how you said you stayed hyper-focused throughout the entire practice, right? Really working on your concentration because that is a skill that can be trained. In the last two answers that you said, Right. You can train your body, you can train your mind, you can train your craft. I love how you're outworking your self-doubt. And you're not only believing in yourself all throughout the, 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 the entire story of your life, but you're also generating evidence behind it, right? And making sure you're working on these little details to have the belief, but also generate the evidence um, behind it. I, I want to, I pulled out like the moment before. I love how you said that in terms of the film that you were watching, the moment before they shoot and things like that. I kind of want to talk about the moment before and the after for you, right? So we talked a little bit about being in, in in between the pipes and how to be engaged. Could you talk a little bit about um, your preparation off the field? Uh, I'm sure lacrosse is a very uh, big part of your life. I would love to know how much a big part of your life. You're probably thinking about lacrosse or promoting lacrosse or coaching lacrosse a lot. But what's it like off the field? And, and how do you maintain not getting drained out um, from too much lacrosse? Yeah, I think every goalie is different. Um, every goalie needs a different, um, whether it's, you know, rep count when they're in practice or <clears throat> they need a different kind of, um, mental warm up before a game or before a practice or before any training session that they go to. And I think that's what's so unique about the position in the sport is that everyone's different. Um, and everyone operates differently. Uh, but for me, while, while I was in college, a big preparatory thing that I would kind of do is um, I wanted to be in a headspace immediately before a game where I wasn't thinking about lacrosse. So like I took, you know, we walk into the locker room, I'd get myself dressed, I'd do my stretching routines, and then I really just enjoyed sitting at my locker with my music, I could sit back and observe all the things that were going on. But the only thing I was hearing was my music and, and just being um, able to like allow my mind to drift off because for those next 60 minutes, that brain of mine was going to be so hyper-focused on what was in front of me. And so um, I think allowing myself to have that release beforehand was something that allowed me to just 
be super focused. It was almost like if you think of like your mental tank at a hundred percent and you know, you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about the game, you're with your teammates, your your tank's at about like 80% now. And it was like I utilized that moment in the locker room. I, and and I would plan accordingly too in terms of getting to the locker room early where I had enough time to sit down and just like relax versus feeling super rushed to get all my stuff on and like and and you know line up with the team and all that stuff and and get stretched and whatnot. So um I made sure I had had my routine and even if I had to deviate from my routine in some respect, I didn't allow it to ruin how I felt going into into the game but um but yeah it was about utilizing that 15 20 minutes to refill that mental tank to 100% to be able to walk onto the field and and use that full 100% um that I had to give on that day so um I think finding different things whether you're in high school or in college where you can have that moment to really allow your mind to just escape reality for a second to then allow yourself to be hyper focused um in the moments when you need to be um was something that positively impacted my career um i mean 2022 we played a national championship against north we played a a final four game against Northwestern and we were losing 14 to three at one point. And I'm like, wow, my college career is about to end <laughs> in a blowout in a final four. And I was playing horribly. We were just, we were, we, we collectively as a team were playing scared. Um, and we actually got a, a weather delay. So we had an opportunity to kind of go into the locker room and like, like we had talked about before, acknowledge like what our actual fears were and like what our actual mentality was going into, into the game. And um, a lot of people got up and spoke and, and while that field and it did not go the way that we wanted it, we were still getting blown out. Um, It gave us kind of that newfound desire to be like, Hey, like we can turn this around. It wasn't like we walked out on the field and got scored on. We're like, all right, that's it. Game's over. Like we continued to fight and we continued to push and, I mean, I got pulled in the third quarter. I'm like, all right, we're losing by a lot. There's like, what, 18 minutes left in the game. I'm getting pulled off the field. I'm a sixth year. I'm I'm basically going to end my college career on the sideline. Like, I was panicking. And, you know, I walked off the field and Phil Barnes came right up to me. And he was like, you're going to go back in. He's like, you need to just take a second, take a breath, resettle yourself. And then we're going to put you back in. And now I've heard those things before in high school. And it was obviously like coming off the field was like a traumatic experience. And I don't think I'd been pulled in the game in probably two years, but him coming up to me and giving me that positive reinforcement to be like, okay, right. We're acknowledging that I had a bad game, but I'm also not giving, I'm being given a second chance. Like we're going to make sure that we really, go back out there and like take advantage of that second chance. And while it was a bloodbath, that entire game wave of emotions, like just absolutely up and down. And then went back in, in the fourth quarter, made a save, went to clear it, got tipped lands right into the Northwestern's best player stick. And I mean, I was like, I was like, this is not happening right now. Um, she drove down, took a shot. I made a save. I made like a point blank save with like 20 seconds left to keep them from tying it. And then we finally ended up winning the game. And it was like the most absurd comeback I've ever been a part of. But it was like that moment of my coach just kind of giving me that positive reinforcement, but also mm-hmm. just remembering how hard not only myself, but all my teammates had worked to get there. It was just like, I knew that if it was going to be my mistake, like I had to have the solution to the mistake. Um, Mm. And it couldn't just be like, Oh, I made a mistake. I have to now like dig my head into my hands and be like, it's all over. It was like, no, I just made the mistake. I'm hustling my butt back into the cage and I'm going to make this next save to make up for the fact that I just messed up. So um I think my college experience really helped me mature as a player um, and 
going back to kind of the ways in which I kind of grew and were able to like reground myself in the position. Like, I mean, I was fortunate enough at Caroline to have a sports psychologist who we got the opportunity to talk to um, whenever we want. So I certainly utilized that resource um, to kind of work through those challenges of being a starter when I had never been a starter um, and then going to where I was the starter and now I had someone else behind me who was also very good, who was now chasing for my spot. So mm-hmm. um, it was the the shifting dynamics that I kind of had to work through as they were happening. And so um, I would say anybody in that position, if you have the resource at your school or your college to just take advantage of a sports psychologist or a therapist, I think it's a great idea. And it's it's never a sign of weakness. It truly is a show of strength because it takes a lot to not only ask for help, but to like ask for advice on how to walk through things. And I think your coach isn't going to be someone who can give you that. Your parents are going to be someone who can give you that. And your teammates, while they're super supportive and everyone in your life is so so supportive, I think the ways in which a sports psychologist can kind of make you rethink situations and help you work through certain aspects is really important. I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess I would say this is, it's such a phenomenal answer. I mean, right from where you st- started talking about the the mental take going from 100% to 80%, something I always pose is that what makes a professional race car driver a professional race car driver is not their ability to step on the gas, but the brake at the right time and take a pit stop at the right time. And there's a simple little equation that stress plus recovery equals growth. And when we're in stress, we're in fight or flight. And when we're in recovery, we're in rest and digest. And the research is getting a lot more clearer and clearer about the 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 upside of mind wandering. So when you put on your your music, right, and you're not super hyper-focused and pinning the gas thinking about the game, you're actually, mind becomes more expansive and you allow your best ideas to start flowing. And one of the best ways to work through a problem is not necessarily to get hyper-focused on the problem, but actually go for a little nature walk. So I just love how you brought up this idea of letting your mind wander. Thank God for the weather delay, right? I mean, the weather yep. delay allowed for that acceptance, awareness, and articulation of what was going on. And it probably played a psychological warfare game against them because of time between paths, right? If there was probably no weather delay, there's probably too much momentum there. But it's so nice that there was that kind of break in, in pressure. I love how when you stepped off and he allowed you to hit your reset with like a breath and then a verbal cue, you got this. I mean, it was just so good. And And the last thing I would say, to your point to how you ended it about rethinking a situation. There's two ways to handle stress. Uh, reframe it as a positive or focus on something else. And the fact that you were able to rethink about it and look at it in a different way and stay engaged, even when you have this past that's tipped. I mean, that's just so amazing. One of my questions that I was leading up to was, could you tell me about a highlight and a low light? And I think that story that you just shared was like all of it, you know, that had yeah. everything there. Um, I, so I guess I would go to this. Um, so many people look up to you. Who do you go to these days to gather inspiration, whether it be for lacrosse or otherwise, in terms of uh, role models or people that you look up to? Who are you studying now? Because I know you said that was a big part of your your college process. Yeah, um, I think I'm very fortunate enough to have had very supportive college teammates and and girls who I'm still very close with and friends with now. And then Um, I think through my USA team USA process and, and playing in AU, I've also had the opportunity to create new relationships with people who I played against, but now get the opportunity to play alongside. And, um, and truthfully, I would say probably the person who I, I, I look up to the most and who I think, um, I find most of my support from is probably Allie Kennedy. Um, and I'm not just saying that because, we're together but she truly like has had her own challenges and her own trials and errors to like get to the position where she has and um she has never shied away from a challenge and she's never shied away from just the all of the experiences that she's gone through as well and I feel like we relate very much in that respect um we've obviously had two very different journeys but um we both worked extremely hard to get to where we are and I think um you know, being on the field and whether it's, you know, playing against her or playing on the same team, especially in the pro league now, it's like watching how someone could be the best that they like the best at their position in the college game, but then to do it at a pro level and then continuously get better. It's like, I want to be someone who doesn't just like 
plateau at the pro level and just can and, and more so stays like I'm obviously being a goalkeeper you want to be consistent but like in terms of my performances I don't want there to just be like all right I kind of just like flatlined here like I want to continue to up my game and continue to play at you know a higher level than I did the year prior and I think she just does such an amazing job. It was like she was unreal in college and then to show up in the pro league and like continue to just make a name for herself and get better and better and have people be like, like, I knew you were fast, but I didn't know you were that fast. Like, it's just like absolutely absurd to uh, kind of watch from both, you know, being on the field and off the field. So um, I, I certainly look up to her work ethic and I look up to how much she's committed to the sport. Um, and it's something that, I want to continue to carry. And I think um, my perspective on the sport and, and my own personal work ethic has certainly changed for the better um, as um, I've got to spend a lot more time with her. Absolute goal. And, and whether you would answer this with Ali or yourself, I wanted to ask you about longevity, right? And Ali got bet, went, went from here and went to another level. You're talking about not just plateauing, but adding something else to your repertoire. You've given gold in terms of like work ethic and commitment. How do you see yourself taking yourself to another level? I mean, you won champion, then you won it again. Like, what would you point to now? Maybe that's a little bit different than your earlier years, college to a young pro. How are you going to get to that next summit now? Or, or where does your longevity come from? Yeah, I think for me, a dream of mine is to always be to play in a world championship with Team USA. And that is certainly something that I still aspire to and I still want to be a part of. And now, we're in a position where lacrosse is going to be in the Olympics in 2028. And I certainly want to be a part of that team. And I certainly want to participate and be a part of that. Um, and so that's, those are our goals that I aspire to that are keeping me driven um, through this entire process. And I think we're fortunate now where women's lacrosse has started to grow a lot more where we have different opportunities to play throughout the year and, um, I think for me, it's about taking advantage of every single one of those opportunities um, and then just absolutely doing them to the best of my ability um, and obviously continuing to find the time to train and prepare for those for those opportunities as well. So um, I think challenging myself in that respect to like really work on, you know, balancing a, a nine to five remote job, but also squeezing in time to train and get shots and and still continue to work at my craft. So um I think that's certainly a lifestyle that's that's keeping me, you know, in the sport of lacrosse at the highest level that I could possibly play it at. And so, um, you know, when maybe the moment comes where, um, I don't know, there's, there's not many more teams to kind of have that goal of being a part of, um, that may be where, you know, depending on if, if it's 2028, like at that point I'll be almost 30. So, um, I don't know. I, I definitely want to play for as long as my body will let me play. Um, and that's about taking care of it now and continuing to work through those moments and not just like doing nothing and then showing up on the field and then, and playing. Right. I don't think that that's a, a good use of, of the time and the moments that you have, especially as you get older and you're not in college anymore, those opportunities start to dwindle a little more. So it's just about taking advantage of of when they do come across your desk a little bit. So, um, so yeah, I think those are going to be certainly aspects and goals that I have that are going to continue to keep me um, driven to try to achieve uh, an, another level of play. A human being is activated by either avoidance of pain or seeking of pleasure. And there's this idea that a fuzzy future has little pull power. And I get, I totally understand this whole 2028 world championship that's pulling you. If you'll allow me to be, you know, grave or serious for one more question, it would be yeah, taking care of the body for sure. Um, meeting you uh, at LaxCon and mental health panel and, and Morgan's message. Uh, and I just want to ask a question about taking care of the mind. So whether there's a story that comes with it about a, a low point or anything, we'll, I'll definitely uh, ask if you could pull that out, but don't feel like you need to. I just feel as if um, for someone that's listening, right, they can really relate and resonate with your lows way more than they could resonate being a U champion. So I guess, uh, how do you go about taking care of your mind? How would you explain that? And maybe if, if that, if you allow me, how does that connect to, to your love and, and ambassador with uh, Morgan's message? Yeah, I think um, 
I really got introduced more so to Morgan's message, probably my fifth or sixth year of college um, at Carolina. And now that was at a point in my career where um, I would say that I had mentally matured a lot more um, as not only a player, but as a teammate. And prior to that, um, I'd say probably my junior year was that conflicting moment where I was like, okay, I'm now in a position where I'm starting, but I'm also now competing to keep my spot. And the pressure of that circumstance was something that trickled into um, my mentality and my attitude on the field during games. And it was not a good one. Um, I was very like hot-headed, emotional when I played um I would get super upset or frustrated like you know if we had a little bit of a breakdown on defense like I I inappropriately like would slam my stick and like all that stuff and um I think I had this realization that like as we were sitting there like watching film and reruns of like our defensive stuff during games and I'm like wow, like, this is embarrassing, like, watching these film clips. Like, I know, like, I look really bad. And I had to kind of take a step back and be like, wow, I'm not being a good teammate. And I'm I'm reverting to a persona that I worked so hard not to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was kind of that that moment where I realized, like, it's okay to ask for help. And I actually remember... I think I was scrolling on like my Instagram page or something and another team had had their like Morgan's message game um, or as mental awareness month. I mental health awareness month. I forget which, which one it was, but I, I, it's kind of like a little bit of a blur, but I remember seeing a post that had the comment of like, it's okay to ask for help or it's like, okay to not be okay. Um, and I think that was like my moment as I was stepping back to be like, okay, I, probably need to go find out a way to work through this so that not only I can play better on the field, but that I can be a better teammate. And so, um, so yeah, so that's, that was kind of like my realization moment of like, Hey, I really need to start taking care of my mind um, because that really does have such a, an influence on how you play. Um, And so that was kind of like where I really, um, took it seriously and where I started to invest a little bit more time in, in Morgan's message and um, really understanding just the ways in which you can work through moments or or just understanding that there are other players out there that are struggling with the same things. And um, I kind of vowed to myself that like, I would never resort to that persona that I had. Um, and no matter how hard a moment got in a game or, you know, how frustrated I got, I was always going to remember like that positivity and giving myself that positive reinforcement um, while also giving that positivity and reinforcement to my teammates um, and and maybe giving them an opportunity to like re-ground and re-solidify themselves in the moment. I will say for somebody that's listening and, and feeling down or, or negative, this might sound really counterintuitive, but the negative thinking becomes comes from being too introspective. Right. So when you actually give out to your teammates, you're not so self-centered and self-focused where a lot of too much rumination comes from the starting, but also competing for a spot made me think of uh, the documentary Stroke of Genius and how Federer and Nadal went to another level because the, each other existed. And Federer was actually a super hot headed person. Uh, throughout his whole uh, young career. And then I think he had a mentor that passed away and it kind of made him a lot more calm and a lot more uh, less demonstrative, which is a really interesting thing. And it's it's like, what is it, what needs to happen in order for you to have that self-reflection and ask for help? I, I just thank you so much uh, for being really vulnerable because when the message comes from you, the, there's a C.S. Lewis quote about friendship that says, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. So it's really cool that um, people listening to you know that it's not just this AU champion. There are lows as well. So stress comes from uh, or dealing with stress comes from reframing it as a positive or some focusing on something else. I want to finish more on like a lighter note. You're a graphic designer. You're an artist. You're a sneakerhead. You're a taekwondo. All of this. 
like how do you manage and, and create and maximize your time on top of the the nine to five work that you have? Yeah, I think it's just about finding like a little moment where I can kind of sit down and and separate myself from, you know, all the chaoticness that goes on in my life between lacrosse and and being in the real, real world. But um, I have always had a love for for art and graphic design and, and drawing and, you know, all different mediums of, of art. Um, and that's certainly genetic. My mom was a big artist and still is. So, um, we, we developed that, uh, that love at a young age, but, um, it was actually something that helped me through my ACL, both my ACL rehabs. Cause I just, I had a lot of time on my hands. I was like, I need to distract myself through this process to not, you know, harp on, you know, unfortunately the obstacle that I was facing, but, um, I just find it to be very, very therapeutic. Um, and every time I kind of get like a little bit of an itch for, for doing it, I'm like, I find something or some project to work on. Um, and I absolutely love doing it. Um, and I think part of it too kind of translates to my position of being a goalkeeper. Um, even though I try to use it to separate a little bit, but, um, I think the tedious, the tediousness and like, uh, de- attention to detail and the patience aspect. I think that you utilize when you know you're an artist or you're working on a project or or something to that nature. Um, certainly translates to the position in terms of you know when you're in the cage, being patient and um, being super attentive to you know your technique and and continuing to work on your craft as you grow and um, you only become a better artist if you continue to work on it and challenge yourself in different ways. So. Um, I think using that to kind of compare my position, but also, um, challenge my mind in different ways has been something that, um, just keeps me grounded in life overall. I think always finding something that you're passionate about or that you love doing that, um, isn't necessarily a distraction. It could be a hobby. It could just be something that like you, you do in your free time that, um, whether you're utilizing different parts of your brain or it's just, challenging your body in a different way, I think is always great. And I think it's a great thing for athletes too to, to kind of uh, reinforce that you're not just an athlete. And like, I am like lacrosse is not the only thing that I am. Like I have all of these other things that I'm, that I'm good at that other people know me for. Um, So I think that's also something that I found kind of added just like a little bit more dimension to like who I am as a person. Uh a mentor in the field, Christina Bersari, was the uh, former sports psychologist for the NBA and really helped with the career transition aspect of it. And the research is kind of really scary of the big five sport. Uh, on average, it takes eight years to transition and most never do. And the reason is too narrow of an identity. Right. So the fact that you're working on this artist side of you and you have this work side of you, I actually thought about this a lot because the sport of lacrosse is really growing. And when it gets to this place where it is just like other sports, there is downside to that because then you're everything is lacrosse. Right. And how do you find those outlets like you have? Um, I ask everybody this question and I just love that throughout our conversation here. You've talked about these like soft and hard things, right? Like patience, joy, love, like in the music and artists. And and then the other side of like commitment and hard work and, and study the details, right? So I guess I, I want to ask you, um, being great, uh, great yourself and reaching this summit, what would you say they all have in common, right? Of the people that you're around, maybe it's the the Team USA members that, that you're teammates with or those that are in AU and beyond. What are you know, noticing as commonalities um, among the, all those who are great? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that overall, they're really good people. Um, I think being a good person um, off the field is not only going to make you a better player on the field, but it's going to make you a better teammate and it's going to make you someone that other people want to be around. Um, And while that obviously might be a little cliche, I think it's really, really important when it comes to playing a team sport. And I think to be great, you have to be someone who other people can lean on and feel supported by. And while you can be great by doing your own individual things on the field, you know, for me, making saves, um for like an attacker scoring goals right like those are certainly things that make you great but then it's like what are the other moments or situations in a game or or in the sport overall where like you can make other people around you better um and I think that truly is what um defines people as being great is just their ability to 
um, not only leverage themselves, but to leverage the people around them. Awesome. Um, best definition of leadership I've ever heard is that leaders disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. And I think when you're, you're a leader, your ability to set a standard and really disturb the comfortable from a work ethic perspective, like we talked about, but also comfort the disturbed when a teammate's not doing well and ask pertinent questions and finding cures through curiosity uh, with your teammates. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Is there a question that you wish I asked you that, that I didn't? No, I mean, you really dove into some deep questions. And I actually want you to know that I truly enjoyed having this conversation. And I think uh, being a goalie, while the position challenges me mentally on the field, I think situations like this to really like sit back and evaluate like where I've come from and the things that I've had to go through and handle, but also understand like the level of growth that I have, I think your question certainly challenged uh, that conversation and I really enjoyed it and, and kind of digging a little bit deeper into myself. So I truly appreciate it. Awesome. I, I guess I would, on that note, I would share with anybody who's listening, uh, therapy gets a bad rap in, in today's day and age. And uh, I've actually heard a really cool equation for talk therapy and that's support plus rapport plus insight. And if you do that with a loved one or a friend or a colleague or a coach or a mentor or a role model, or it doesn't matter who, even a parent, um, when you're able to have that kind of support and rapport, you know, Taylor and I, we don't know each other that long, but we have that kind of like now one hour rapport with each other. And you provided me with, as you can see, you know, two pages of insight on, on things that um, you've learned throughout your time. So I also found it very therapeutic and, and insightful. So I want to appreciate, uh, uh, thank you for your time. And the last thing I would say is um, whether it's a young goalie that's listening or anybody that wants to follow along with what you're doing, uh, where should they go? Um, so they can obviously follow on Instagram. Um, I usually kind of post what I'm doing and, and post my life on there, but um, I actually just recently launched a new website, taylormarinolacrosse.com where I'll, I'll be posting some <clears throat> whether it's camps, clinics, events, um, or places that I'll be personally playing or performing, um, that'll be somewhere where they can find all that information and just learn a little bit more about me. Um, and, and yeah, it's kind of like a scary concept to be like, Hey, I'm running a clinic. I had an excuse to launch my website and, and here, here we are doing it. So, um, so yeah, they could definitely do that. And I think the biggest thing is to go out and go watch college lacrosse game or, or come to an AU game this summer or watch it on ESPN. I think not only will you obviously have the opportunity to watch me play, but you'll have the opportunity to watch some really high level lacrosse and a lot of other really, really great lacrosse players. I, I thought I was done, but I'm going to ask one more question. And that would be um, if you could talk to younger Taylor, the one that wasn't playing, you know, that was an eighth grade or freshman, sophomore, what, what, what would you uh, put your arm around her and say? Um, a, a little cliche line of never give up um, mm -hmm. and to persevere through any challenge that comes your way. I actually have the word persevere tattooed on my leg um, just as a reminder that I have really come a long way between, you know, the challenges of not playing in high school to then going back to back ACLs and not playing and then having a couple more um, injuries to my college career, but still came out on, on the on the light end of it. Um, and then to continue to play at the level I'm playing, I think, um, yeah, never give up and persevere would certainly be either a phrase or a word I would probably give my younger self. Persevere. Taylor, I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for this one. Absolutely. I appreciate it.